Easy, easy, easy. Um, the last two games, 7-2 aggregate scoreline? Yes. Just walking it? Yes, sort of, sort of. Don't, don't want to sound like Debbie Downer, but it didn't really feel for long parts of that Newcastle game that we were going to walk that one, did it? No, absolutely not. In fact, until... Um, I think the second goal, actually, because they were sort of on top at one all for a period of time um, after the after the halftime interval, uh, and then once Dan James, the Prince of Wales, the goal scoring machine that is Dan James, a player that I described in a friend to a friend in on WhatsApp as one of United's worst ever players on Boxing Day of uh, last year. Very, very, very harsh on the young man. Um, he uh, he's been in excellent form, and uh, maybe there's a player in there after all, as uh, as um, has been pointed out to me in various different arenas. Too harsh on him. Never never thought that was true, but apparently it is. I'm reserving judgment on that. A couple of goals. I mean, he was running down blind alleys for quite a bit of this game, as he was on Thursday night as well. So um, it's uh, it's that old thing, isn't it, in in psychology that we remember the last thing in the highlights well the highlights uh, yeah. a couple of goals from damn james reasonably late in games oh, actually well 70 minutes in this game or so wasn't it but uh, so yeah I mean, um, we'll see we'll see on that but look united uh, united got there in the end and it was needed because i think a draw here really would have started us worrying about a champions league place with leicester winning again and um you know, I suppose uh, we're fortunate that Liverpool and Spurs are absolutely rubbish at the moment, which makes things a bit... Um, and Chelsea makes uh, makes that particular kind of qualification route a bit easier. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's... Not, not David Moyes' West Ham, though. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe David Moyes' West Ham. I mean, as we said in the WhatsApp group, it really takes something to make David Moyes look like the progressive young manager doesn't he? Um, Mourinho really is special, just not for the reasons he thinks. Anyway, that's for the backers content, mainly our our weekly Let's Bash Mourinho for fun episode. Honestly, I, I cannot wait. I cannot, <laughs> we were about 45 minutes away from it at this point, and uh, I am absolutely buzzing for it. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I went off on the side there. Uh, but it's kind, of, it's kind of important, even though it wasn't a great performance from United, a, a pretty weird lineup, I suppose. Uh, which contributed to some of the lack of fluency. It's important United got there in the end because otherwise it's an awful lot of points dropped recently in the, if United hadn't got there. And now, uh, building on uh, the winning against Sociedad on Thursday night, this one feels like maybe we got a bit of momentum back. You know, Ollie talked about it, didn't he, before before this game about momentum and how important it was and how he's going to play a strong side against Sociedad next week, even though we're 4-0 up. Because momentum's everything, um, and so a bit of momentum. Yeah, and and much needed as well, right? Because it's been it's been a bumpy time. I mean, we missed a few games. Uh, we missed the. the I mean, when the la- when you last you heard us, we were confidently predicting a uh, comfortable victory over Sam Allardyce's absolutely shockingly terrible West Bromwich Albion that that absolutely did not manifest a very frustrating. I mean, incredibly frustrating and just downright poor. Uh, one one all draw was it one all that yeah. game rings a bell. 
Um, oh yeah, because we conceded in the first yeah, minute, right? That's right. Or thereabouts, first three minutes. Um, but then, then came Sociedad, and that was, you know, it was a much. I, I didn't see that game. <laughs> like the games that I've missed this season were Leipzig, where Marcus Rashford scored a five-minute hat trick, and this game where basically it was everyone afterwards was like, "Oh, that's the most fluent United's attacks looked all season." And I was very frustrated to have missed it. Sadly. Yeah, well, I, as you know, I've been uh, doing a bit of traveling recently. Um, I think we might have mentioned it on the pod because a few people were offering. Um, uh, well wishes for the move. Um, so I watched the West Brom game on my phone in a taxi and then getting a COVID test, which was uh, fun. Nice. <laughs> the the COVID test was definitely the best part of that whole thing. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I watched the Sociedad game the other day because it was, you know, nice wake up breakfast. I'm on the West Coast now. So um, it was, uh, oh, I can't even remember what time that was, like 10 in the morning, 9.55 kickoff, uh, which is, you know, wrong for a football game. But so is I mean, that would have been, that would have been so... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that would have been so much more convenient for me in my schedule. I would have been able to watch it if it was on at 5 to 10 in the morning, but not at 5 to 6. Yeah, so wrong. Um, anyway, you know, the, the Sociedad game combined with this one, now gives us a sense again of some uh, some momentum, and uh, presumably he's going to be good to his word, Ollie, and he'll be putting out a strong team on Thursday night because uh, he made quite a lot of changes for this game, which I think contributed to some of, um, especially in the first half, some of United's uh, real lack of fluency, uh, and and maybe we've you know got some of that mojo back. I mean, last time we took a um, a lengthier break was um, over the sort of Christmas period where we won everything and ended up top of the league. So it didn't quite happen that way this time. <laughs> well, no, but both um, both last time we had the extended break and then we had we missed a couple of games where we won and then we came back on a loss again. So it's nice to kind of... So both of those we came back on a loss, nice to come back on a win um, after, after a break for, for the first time in a while. I guess... Um, I don't know. It's interesting to talk about momentum in terms of Solskjaer picking a strong team for Sociedad because actually th- there was a big dice roll with the momentum in this game. I mean, I-, I think Dan James's relatively encouraging performance against Sociedad earned him a place in this game. But Martial starting up front, I mean, you know, if Dan James had reverted to type or like the type from, you know, the back end of last year, um, given what where Martial's at, at, at the moment, that would have been a big problem um, because, and, and, you know, Martial did did his cause no good at all. Um, I, I maintain this thing that that um, you know he's he hasn't suddenly turned into a rubbish player overnight. I, I don't believe. Um, I, I think he's a a player that fans get on the back of very quickly because when he's bad, the fact that he doesn't run around loads becomes a huge problem because you know when a player is trying really hard in a very obvious way. Uh, they 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 get so much slack when they're not playing very well and and I don't think it's true to say that Marcel doesn't care or isn't trying. I just think he, the way his effort manifests, he's never at his best. He's not constantly running off the back of defenders, is he? Like that's that's not his game and and never has been. But anyway, he's in. I don't know why I'm defending him when what I'm, I just I'm just in, like absolutely incapable of talking about him in a critical way. Apparently, um, but he's in awful awful form, and we were fortunate in this game because Marcus Rashford. Um, had, I mean, what a 
blinding opening goal. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, if, if only he'd just score more one-yard tap-ins, he would, he would be getting 40 goals a season. I mean, he's, he's got, I think that was his 18th of the season, half of them in the league and half of them in Europe. Uh, and he just seems to score a lot of worldies and not enough of the really rubbish ones where he's going through one-on-one um, or just needs to shoot a bit earlier. But um, but this was this was fantastic. I mean, I don't think he called Megs on the defender, but it would be nice if he did. Absolutely skins the Newcastle right-back, whose uh, name I'm forgetting for the time being. Um, I'm blaming the jet lag. And uh, and dances inside and outside the next defender and then scores at the near post, which I'm I'm sure Carl Dallow was not expecting. We'd we'd probably be bashing De Gea, wouldn't we, for not covering his near post um, if it had been the other way around. But he he has on this occasion shot early Rashford um, and into the wrong corner, and it's caught the keeper out. Lovely goal. Yeah. The beautiful angle, cam- one of those goals where the camera angle is like in real time, the camera angle is absolutely perfect because it shows you the exact size of the gap he has to hit to score. A um, friend of the show, Cal Gildart, pointing out that both uh, Rashford and Dan James went for the near post, clearly identifying a weakness in uh, some video analysis gone on behind the scenes that Carl Darlow is weak at his near post or something like that. Um, but yeah, incredibly fine, like the the nutmeg, the burst of speed, doesn't beat, I mean, he beats the man, but the man gets back in position, so he just beats him again, cuts inside and scores. I mean, you know, it's legendary. And, and this guy, this, Marcus Rashford is absolutely brilliant and that's all there is to it. And of course, there's room for improvement, but uh, even even if he never gets any better, He'll still be an absolute joy to watch for the rest of his career, you know. True, it's um, just all about levels, yeah. isn't it? And uh, I think there's another yeah, another absolutely. level he'll take his game to with a bit more experience and a, a, a bit more, I don't know whether it's coaching or a bit more composure in certain situations, I think. Uh, and he'll just add more goals to his game, you know. And, and like, think of the steps that, um, and sorry for the unfair comparison, but think of the steps that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo took in his career where he went from several seasons of not really scoring many from wide positions to 12 yeah. to 25 to 40, you know, and yeah. just never dropped from that level. So, yeah. um, you know, Marcus has got the talent to do this and, and add even more, but uh, but lovely goal. Yeah, I mean, whether he's got the talent to, you know, score 40 goals a year for 10 years in a row or whatever, that's that's a different question, but... You know, yeah, brilliant. Anyway, so that was a great start. And then, of course, good players FC versus bad players FC. As we know, this is a thing. Newcastle having two bites at the cherry uh, to whip crosses in. Um, and the second one, I mean, obviously De Gea is not coming for that because he's David De Gea, which means that Maguire has to head away from, you know, six yards out. I I question the wisdom of uh, Maguire's blind header at that point. Nobody giving him a shout, no communication or his own kind of like, oh, look at me, I'm Harry Maguire, I need to head the ball, Um, one or the other. Um, And it goes down to St. Maximan, who is completely unmarked because I I think maybe Martial has, has drifted off him into where the ball is and an easy, an easy finish for... Sam Maximan. Well, it's a good finish. I mean, he's caught that. 
yeah, he's yeah. running onto it. It'd be very easy for him to knock that over the bar. But uh, yes, he's one of the players that yeah. um, I really enjoy watching. Saint Maximan. I mean, he's not always brilliant, but he's always fun to watch. No. Uh, and that was a, that was a, it was a good finish. And yes, uh, not an, not an awesome header from Harry Maguire. I mean, uh, so look, there'll be plenty of times this season, and there have been plenty of times in Harry Maguire's time at United when we will really criticize him because he's got some really obvious flaws. Um, that header was not awesome, but it's not his worst uh, defensive um, no. piece of play in a United shirt. So um, one thing I noticed, just on the side, because I was thinking about it while watching it, have you noticed how Harry Maguire's haircut, the kind of foppish cut he's got like across his face, he brushes it out of the way all the time, it's almost exactly the same haircut that Alex Ferguson has now got. Fergie's corona cut <laughs> is going across his face at an angle. It's just the same haircut. So... I think I think Fergie's cut was originally shaped that way to cover the because he had the operation and everything. His hair line changed quite a lot after that, so I think that's why Fergie's got it. Um, the, I think, the, uh, given the, Maguire's should... performances, I reckon he might have had no, the operation too. No, so. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I was like, as soon as the words were come tumbling out of my mouth, I was like, oh, I wonder where Ed's going to take this. <laughs> what direction this is going to go in? Um, the. Uh, I should say, of course, this was, you know, it's not like United hadn't had warning shots. Um, when the score was still nil-nil, Dave just passed the ball out to a Newcastle player. Um, and th- there's a lot of, I mean, it was very clear that Newcastle's strategy was to press United really high up the pitch, create tension among the, the centre-backs and the goalkeeper. And it worked, you know, it really worked. They uh, they didn't end up with a fantastic chance out of that particular turnover, but it was a incredibly poor and dangerous turnover. And, and you know, th- this back four, well, back five, including De Gea, when they start to play the ball out, you, get, you just get nervous every single time, don't you? I know. You? I mean, look, clearly Solskjaer wants them to play the ball out. He, d- he doesn't want it to be going route one all the time. Because you know you lose the ball half of the time when you do that, and retaining possession is is um, United's best route to to creating chances. So I understand it, but yeah, they give you absolute kittens, all of them, all of them. I mean, Shaw is the safest pair of hands in that back five right now, and I mean, I don't know what world uh, we thought it'd be in which that would be true, but it is. You know, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, Maguire Lindelof, they terrify me. Uh, I think of that um, that uh, moment in <laughs> the Jose Mourinho documentary on Amazon, where he just points at um, uh, the right back. Who? What's his name again? Sergio. Sergio Ariens. You terrify me. Well, the, this lot terrify me. And Dave, I mean, like he—he's the only one I can't forgive. He just needs to aim for Rosed every single time because him trying to pass it. It's a terrible mistake waiting to happen. Just foot through it, get it as far as you can. It's it's terrifying. I mean, we were having a, a conversation in the um, in the the WhatsApp group about what the justification now is for the hair starting ahead of Henderson. It's really hard to find it. It's really hard. I mean, a couple of good saves in this game, and and you yep. point to that and go, okay, you know, this is what he can do. Uh, but it was a fraction away from 
from giving Newcastle a goal. Yeah, and there's a very solid argument that he massively contributed to giving uh, Newcastle a goal because Henderson would have been organising at a minimum. I mean, Henderson would have come for that ball and would at minimum have been organising, you know, from behind there. Which he does extremely vocally, you know. So I don't know whether you, um, you watch it with the crowd on or crowd off, but... Henderson on Thursday night against Sociedad in a, you know, silent um, um, Juventus stadium was, like, really loud. You know, he's got this big, booming, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, voice and he's constantly having to go at the defenders all the time. And you never hear a peep out of, out of Dave, do you? No, and except him shouting when they concede another goal. You know, and... and- you know, he did make a couple of saves that were classic Dave, incredible kind of reaction saves. I'm not I'm not sure if they were saves that no other keeper would have made kind of saves that he used to make somewhat frequently, uh, but they were good. And, and you know, that that is what he can do, like you say. And, and, you know, it's a non-trivial decision for the club as a whole, isn't it? To say, okay, this guy that we've given, a, he's got, what, another three years left on his contract at 350 grand a week. That's it, your second choice now. You know, it's... Uh, it's it's a difficult, it's a difficult argument to make. Um, but you wonder whether that that bold conversation, that bold decision, needs to be had. And, and Henderson now is going to, you know, hopefully get a bit of a run. I guess depending on the draw and who we get next in the Europa League. But there'll be a run of games where, like, you know, every Thursday. Dean Henderson's showing what he can do for for a period of time because um, he wasn't he didn't start in the Champions League every no Dea started most of the Champions League games right so it's not like he's had that he's had little moments but he hasn't had regular now the pressure's going to build over time if he consistently performs and especially if he's performing and Dea isn't I think that's how the transition could happen yeah I mean one of the I mean you, said, you mentioned Dea's wage there and it and it is a thing that factors into united's thinking because he's he's got another three years on his contract at that huge huge wage and it's very hard for Solskjaer or or anyone else to just dump him very hard and then beyond dave you've got serge uh, romero who's on over 100 grand a week i mean his contract's up in the summer so he's definitely going to go um it's uh, paying him £5 million to do absolutely nothing for the last 12 months has been great value for money. So it's just weird. insane. Uh, and Henderson's new contract is well over hundred grand a week. And then you've got Joel Pereira. I'm sure he's not earning that much, but you've got a lot of keepers at United. I'm just, and oh, apparently Lee Grant's being offered a new one-year deal to, to <laughs> play in the reserves. It's really odd. I mean, I guess if Romero goes and they want Pereira on another loan, they want a third keeper in the squad. So uh, I wonder whether Pereira might move permanently this summer. Uh, he's good. I mean, good young keeper, isn't he? Jose Mourinho loved him. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's getting to the point where he's not he's not young anymore. He's he's twenty four, and yeah, right. I mean, sure, he's got right, a longer right. career as a keeper, but he needs to start playing doesn't he for a club I mean he's he's had a few loans which is helping I think he's at Huddersfield right now um but uh, yeah I don't know it's such a it's such an odd club and some of the decisions that United make around contracts and new deals are so weird but I, I'm not sure it gets any weirder than what they've done with the keepers I mean apart from the birthday boy it's Phil Jones's birthday as we record oh, this 
And he turns 20. Barcelona target, Phil Jones, as we had in the papers this year. You, 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 you did see that that was from a fake oh. Twitter account, right? Not that wasn't actually a United I, report. But it is tweet. very funny. Very, very funny. I, I couldn't help it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, Ed hasn't noticed this. 100%. <laughs> That's, um, always, always check the at. Um, the, uh, the performance after, after half time, like I said earlier in the show, I, I think we looked kind of wobbly actually coming out after half time, but it was a really nice goal. And Dan James said, you know, um, in a post match interview that that was about targeting the space that they knew would be there. And they did create that overlap and actually, you know, pulling players out of position over to one side so that there's room on the other side. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, Matic with a nice ball across, but Bruno cannot live without the numbers. Bruno is nothing if not a slave to the numbers. So he got a little tiny toe on it uh, and got an assist, which um, then uh, Willock got a little tiny toe on Rashford. And so Bruno also got a goal, which is like this was peak Bruno Fernandes stat padding this game. Yes, it's it's um, it's Ben Stokes, you know, getting his numbers up against, I don't know, the Republic of Ireland T20 team or something like that. I, I mean, classic. Hey, we lost, we lost an ODI. We lost an ODI yeah, to true. Ireland in the uh, summer. Sorry. Um, I'm sure we have many uh, listeners from the Republic. Very sorry if you're also a cricket fan. Um, yes, it's definite flat track bullying. Uh, but good for him. I mean, these numbers are insane. I think he's had... Something like 50, is that, well, that'll be 53 goal involvements over the last rolling 12 months or something like that. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it's, they're just huge, his numbers. Yeah. Yeah, they're incredible. And, you know, it's not the flat track bully thing that I'm accusing him of stat padding. It's not the fact that they were against Newcastle. It's the fact that the assist was like an accidental toe poke when he was trying to uh, score and the goal was a pen. Like, you have to score the pens. And, of course, delight for him to score against Carl Darlow, who was the evil, cruel villain of the yes. piece who denied him his perfect record from penalty. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we talk about XG and expected assists and stuff like that on this show. They should have, a like, an actual assists the actual value you know tapping it one yard to the side um for someone to bang one in from 40 yards should not count the same as dancing (laughs) around six players and putting in the perfect cross should it (laughs) no it really shouldn't although there's sort of something glorious about the fact that it does uh somehow uh talking of xg newcastle united creating 0.3 of uh 0.3 0.3 worth of XG from even though they definitely had periods of time when they were seriously on top. To be that fair, game. that's quite good for um, them. None... <laughs> I guess it is. I guess it is. Uh, I, it's interesting because the game just felt very long. Felt like it, it felt no point did it feel like United were running out of time in this game. I suppose possibly in the timing of that second and th- the third goal coming pretty quickly after the second. Um, and once the third goal went in, it was just all over. And United were completely on top enough to bring Shola Shoratire on. And as a friend of the show, Dan Story, pointed out on Twitter, born in Newcastle in 2004, there's got to be a chance he was named after the great man. This might be the first post-Shola Amiobi Shola footballer. Um, Shoratire, uh, born in t- 2000- 2004. I mean, I know it's like old men talking about how things make them feel old is quite boring pattern, yeah. right? But 
2004. Angel Gomez was born in 2001 and it felt absolutely ridiculous. And this kid would be like, Angel Gomez would be his quite a lot older big brother. Like, 2004. I know. He he will relate to the 99 team the same way we relate to the 1968 team, basically. <laughs> it, yeah. And well, definitely the kind of early 70s team. Definitely like late period Matt Busby. In your your case, absolutely. Those, those extra yeah, two yeah, years. Make a big difference. Well, difference you know, talking the 2004, as we were, we were discussing pre-show, my, my daughter was born in 2004. So, uh, you wouldn't believe that this face I, was this old, would you? But <laughs> I'd I'd been clean for four years by two thousand and four. Like, not only was I old enough to get into loads of trouble, I was old enough to get into a load of trouble and then get out of it again and stay out of it for four years. By that point, like, that is really crazy. Anyway, good good for uh, him. He didn't. He do didn't anything. do anything. Nice for um, him. Ahmed Diallo got a debut as well against uh, Sociedad, which was nice. He had a seven yeah. minutes, so a good four minutes longer than Shoratiri. And, uh, he, you know, he did a few things. I mean, he didn't get the ball much, but um, pressed immediately. You can see how quick he is. I mean, he's doing really well for the under-23s. Uh, I suspect that he'll be on the fringes of the first team. This is um, Diallo will be on the fringes of the first team for the rest of the season. And, you know, maybe maybe even get a few more minutes um, as the season wears on. I mean, he's got lots and lots of talent, clearly. Uh, and sure... Yeah, it felt like he... I did see the the seven minutes of Diallo, because I did see the last ten minutes of that game. And it felt like most of those seven minutes was Ahmad Diallo dribbling people. Like, he did, he did, he did I, do a couple of good dribbles. There was one where he, he, he leapt a challenge yeah. and beat a man. Fans are going to love nice. him. Clearly, he's he's the kind of player that um, the fans really take to because he's he's just so direct and and he's uh, he's got a lot of skill and yeah you know, hopefully develops and and can um, you know increasingly contribute. Um, Shuratire, we'll see. You know, he's done great for the reserves and there are a, a number of other players that have also done really well. It's hard for players at the moment in their various bubbles to sort of cross between the academy reserves and the the first team. Um, I guess they must have taken him out of the bubble, um, the reserve bubble, in order to do this, I presume. Um, but, uh, yeah, great, great for him. Yeah, there was a rumour as well that Hannibal Medry was told that he would be training yeah, for the first team. I really like him. Uh, I, I mean, he's one of those, It's um, it'll be, it'll be, um, it, it may be a slower burner on his career. Uh, just given where he plays, but he's he's just got such lovely feet and a range of passing. He's a central midfielder, and um, that he will immediately look, I think, like he belongs at a higher level. Uh, and then it's the physical side of things and getting to the pace of the game um, in first team football, which we'll see whether he can do or not. Yeah, um, talking of central midfielders as well, James Garner apparently impressing quite a lot on loan at Knott's Forest, I think. Um, there was a little compilation doing around of him doing a bunch of uh, good defensive work in a game against someone or other in the championship. Uh, he, he looked good, but um, yeah, he's another player that, that 
a lot of hopes rested in him in the uh, in the and it doesn't you know it works out for very few of them as we saw with um Adnan Yenazai playing against United um on Thursday night I had a what was it just a few minutes into the game we had a good chance didn't he um I'm sure he'd love to have stuck that one in um <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it's, it's interesting you know he's um I haven't followed him really closely at Sociedad he his numbers look okay he doesn't play every game um, but he's in the team at the moment. He had a few good moments in the game on Thursday. Uh, his career hasn't quite gone where we all thought or hoped it would go. And it doesn't look Absolutely. it's obvious that he's going to get a move back to a bigger club from here, you know. And he's still, it seems, fairly angry about it based on an article in The Athletic this week. He's still blaming uh, Louis van Gaal very much for um, his departure. Uh, Louis van Gaal apparently replied um, by email to the person that wrote that article saying, you know, my records, I stand by my record. It is unimpeachable. I don't have any wish to comment on what this man yeah, says. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me I of... can't believe Louis didn't say I got I know, wrong. it reminded me of that time that uh, um, there was that, you know, one of... The many times Graham Souness has had a go at Paul Pogba and um, uh, Pogba for once bit back a little bit and said he couldn't remember who Souness, he didn't know who Souness was. Some people have told him he was a good player. And uh, Souness then said, uh, yeah, there's this old saying, uh, put your medals on the table. On that occasion, Graham got that one a little bit wrong given, you know, <laughs> Paul Bogba's medal table is quite large, including a World Cup, which, if I'm right in saying, I don't think yeah, Scotland ever won. It's not like a Cleberson World Cup either. Like, he was absolutely instrumental in that World Cup win in all sorts of different ways. Anyway, um, quote from Luke Shaw this week, uh, doing some publicity. By the way, Paul Pogba did not bite back against Graham Souness. I listened to, to that interview on the official United podcast. He was asked by Sam about <laughs> about Graham Souness, and he went, "Oh yeah, like I didn't know who that was." And then, and then, but I hear he was a good player. Yeah, like no, anyway, sorry, which, I think very, very tabloid time. headlining of me there. Yeah, <laughs> Pogba bites back against uh, Souness. Um, uh, what was the other thing? I can't remember what I was going to say after that. It probably wasn't important, I'm going to guess. Um, oh, yeah, the Luke Shaw quote about Pogba where he was asked about Bruno Fernandes' leadership and he said, yeah, Bruno's obviously a leader, but one that people don't necessarily know is, is what uh, an influential figure in the dressing room Paul Pogba is. And, you know, that's it goes hand in hand with the thing that Paul Scholes said when the Riola quotes came out, which is that his agent is probably giving the impression that he's like a bad lad, or but everyone loves him and he's a really good lad in behind the scenes. So, yeah, more, more evidence of that, I guess. All righty. Um, anything else about the Newcastle game that we missed? Uh, I don't really. I'm sh- Yeah, I mean, yes, loads. I'm sure there's loads of things that we missed about the Newcastle game. The defence looked really ropey. Baye played against, I mean, is it, is it a coincidence that Eric Bailly played and we looked good and then Eric Bailly didn't play and we looked bad? I don't know. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. Um, I guess he'll play again in uh, uh, at Old Trafford against Sociedad. Um, you would, you'd certainly hope, although you know that 
the, it's always a bit of a, it's a risky, it's a bit of a Russian roulette, isn't it, playing Eric Bailly? Because on one hand, yeah, you definitely want him to play, but on the other hand, him playing exponentially increases the chance of him getting injured. <laughs> yes. Which is... Uh, <laughs> but he could get injured in training as well. Issue. I mean, yeah. I suppose we could just never play or train yes, him true. and he'd be, you know, his injury record would clear up pretty quickly, although Phil Jones has mm. managed to injure himself at home. So, you know, it's like, hey... <laughs> Poor old Phil Jones. I mean, Phil Jones turning 29 made me feel very sad. It was very sad, like, what happened to him in his career. It was just not, you know. I mean, I know he's obviously going to make a, an ungodly fortune out of his career and will never have to worry about money again. But I'm sure if you'd given him the option of being completely financially successful or, you know, if it had been a, a toss-up between that, not that it would have been that, and and actually having a career that fulfilled his potential, I'm sure he wouldn't have taken the route he's taken. So a bit, bit, bit sad on a human level. That He gets a lot of fun made of him, Phil Jones, but he is a person. He is. Well, is he though? Is he though? I mean, does a human have skin that can do that? I mean, really, really. Anyway, should we take a? You suggesting he he's a cyborg? Um, should we take a quick break and we'll come back and preview our game against Saucy Dad? Maybe the game of the weekend as well. Yeah, let's do that. If you want more from the show in between shows, check us out on the socials. We are NQAT Pod on Instagram, Ed's at NQAT Pod on Twitter, and we are under our real names on Facebook at No Question About That. Yeah, not sure uh, I've got any. Well, I'm, frankly, I'm not sure I've got any interest whatsoever in previewing the game against Sociedad because what is there to say? We're 4-1 up. If anything goes wrong in this game, it will be an absolutely shocking disgrace. But next Sunday at half past six in the afternoon, uh, we are the big game. Uh, it will be United against Chelsea. And that is going to be um, a high probability of boring that game, um, because Chelsea, Thomas Tuchel is apparently channeling the spirit of Louis van Gaal at the moment. A lot of passes in that game between Chelsea and Southampton. They did a lot of passes and had a lot of possession and didn't really do much. I, I like how you very quickly transitioned away from the Europa League game because you, you were denying, very strongly denying that this tournament exists <laughs> at all. No, it totally exists. I just don't, and and it'll be great if we win it. But what are, we, what are you supposed to say? Like, yeah, we've four one up against Sociedad. They they. It was weird that we won really easily and comfortably against a team that was supposed to be good in La Liga. Four that, nil. Yeah, they've gone off the boil somewhat in the league. Oh, yeah, four yeah. nil. Even more comfortable. Yeah, I said seven. I said seven two on aggregate earlier, and it was in fact seven one. Always Easy. talking us down, Paul. That's the problem. You know. Yeah, two negatives. So, definitely. yes, you, you're right. We don't need to spend much time. Ollie's already said he's going to play a strong team, which, you know, I think um, there are many reasons to question, not least that um, three days later we have a really critical game. I mean, they're all critical. Uh, but this one against Chelsea, victory would surely knock Chelsea out of the contention for Champions League places. It'll keep us moving forward. City are going to win well, this no, league, aren't they? It, so. No. 
champ- no, it, no, it doesn't even slightly knock Chelsea out of contention for Champions League paces to drop three points in this particular game. Like, there's a huge amount of the season left to go, and they're currently two points off it. And West Ham are the team that are above them, so I think it's going to take a little bit more than that to knock them out of okay, contention. Fair enough. May maybe exaggerating there, but um, look, it's an important game both for the competition for those three spots, isn't it? Uh, and because that's really what the season is about now, because relegation, at least two of the relegation spots are decided. And if City don't win the league, it'll be an absolute miracle. Um, or we would yeah. we would need a miracle. 99% now on. Yeah, 99% on 5.38. You've got the alert set up, so haven't you? you know, four in the morning, they update the model. It's bing, <laughs> you're like, ah, oh, 99.12, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, well, I, that, that, no, I think that's... that'd be right. If you played the season 100 times from here, they would win almost every single time. Of course they would. You know, they're, they're, they yeah. are very strong in a very strong position and have a huge lead. So the, one of the things about the Europa League is what, what does a strong team even look like? Because, you know, he says he's going to play a strong team, but what does that mean, you know? Play a strong team. I mean, I guess he just means we're going to play Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford. But surely he won't. They'll get a rest. I don't know if Van der Beek's injured. Yeah. Um, but he'd, you'd think he needs to rest Rashford for this one. Yeah, and definitely rest Bruno. I mean, he's someone who clearly is impacted by fatigue. I mean, Harry Maguire pl- will play because he plays in every game. He probably plays in the under-23 games <laughs> and I just yeah. haven't noticed it. So, because, yeah... Anyway, um, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, there will be some changes. Uh, but what it really means is that he's not going to dip into the pool of under-23 players and play a really weak team. Um, but we'll be back to, yeah. um, back to full strength for Chelsea on Sunday, which is like, what? Um, um, McTominay will come back in if he's fit because uh, he had a bit of a problem, didn't he? And and the only other place that's up for grabs, really, against Chelsea is who plays on the right. So, I mean, I guess Cavani could come in up front if he's well, fit to play. And he might well do if he's fit to play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was uh, potentially going to be back today, I think, Cavani. Um, uh, the, both Van der Beek and Cavani... Uh, Solskjaer said that there was a, you know, I don't know how Donny and Edison will be. I think they've got a chance. We'll give them until before training on Saturday. That was for this game. So um, you'd imagine that he's uh, he's likely to be back. Scott McTominay, we've got no information at all about it. Pogba, it's it's a pretty pretty serious one. There's no, no chance he's going to be back. Um, they don't think that he, there's any chance he'll be back before March. Um, although that's not particularly long away, I guess March now, but um, but still, no chance of him featuring against Chelsea, and and it's going to be a really interesting tie because Chelsea will keep possession really well, and actually, you would think in theory that they're going to leave some gaps at the back and potentially be the kind of team that we could do well against because. You know, it, it, this idea that we were only good against the big teams and counter-attacking sort of faded out of, well, stopped being true, basically. But it, it does seem to be, you know, that actually we are once again considerably at our best on the counter Yeah, look, I think it's faded in the sense that Solskjaer rarely sets the team up to completely defend in a very low block and then break from there. It's still very true that United are probably the most dangerous team in the league in the transition. So, I mean, it's exactly how they won against um, Sociedad on Thursday. They had, Sociedad had a lot of possession. 
in that game. And then United took them apart. Um, and you know, whenever it broke down, and and this is, I'm sure, what um, we'll be looking to do against Chelsea. Yeah, and and there's weaknesses there to exploit, for sure, in both in the way Chelsea play and the personnel they have, um, in that back line. So, and it'd be nice to put one over them, wouldn't it? Because you know, there's been a few occasions that that's not been true, uh, and it's cost United big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I would be super confident going into it, even though um, Chelsea have obviously not been in great form. Them, they are considerably. They look like they've got a plan under Tuchel at least, and they, you know, they, they've they've picked up on the dip that they were experiencing under Lampard, and they're now two points off that um, that fourth spot. Uh, out, you know, you mentioned them being out of contention if they lose this game, and you won't particularly wasn't meant to be a deep point of analysis or anything. I don't think any of the teams um, down to Everton or I think Everton are now above Liverpool. I don't think it certainly wouldn't completely write Liverpool off because you could definitely see Liverpool winning most of their games between now and the, the end of the season. So, I, you know, I think there's a long, a long way still left to run in, uh, in the Champions League battle and, and Chelsea are not terribly placed to have a crack at it, but some of their, some of their, I mean, they they definitely haven't had the the transformative effect. Those superstar signings. I mean, uh, I, I was purring about Ziyech all on on early backers content a lot, and really bemoaning the fact that he'd gone to Chelsea and not to us. But actually, he's really struggled of late. Um, Callum Hudson Odoi looks somewhat transformed uh, under Tuchel, uh, not necessarily well, transformed, he, but he, uh, he looks well. Better. He was until this weekend when Tuchel said he had a bad attitude, which was. I was like, oh, ow. oh, I, I yeah. Missed that one. I Said, missed that. Uh, well, he, he like the whole quote was that he wasn't pressing in the way I wanted, and I didn't think his attitude was right. Which I, it might just be a translation thing. It's wow. just like, oh, that's going to hurt that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Chelsea fans will be very sad if another manager takes against. Uh, Callum Hudson Adoy because there's a huge amount of hope placed in him. Um, but the Werner Havertz ZH arrivals, it hasn't exactly transformed Chelsea into a devastating uh, attacking force as yet. Although they have obviously had good periods this season. Um, and, and, you know, the thing that I would say is I find it very, very difficult to talk about uh, future performance in any meaningful way because there's no way of knowing. This Newcastle game, there was, everything under the sun was saying we should win this game comfortably. And in the end, we did. But there were lots of periods of the game where it didn't look like we were going to win the comf- comfortably. Last weekend, we played West Brom, a team who've conceded like 150 goals this season and could only get one past them and look completely just unable to break down their eight at the back, you know, which loads of other teams have been able to break down. So, uh, you know, the idea that we could confidently predict what either United or Chelsea will do in this game is is beyond me. So, yeah, no, no idea. No, true. I happen. mean, look, what, one thing that Tuchel has done is he's got a a system he wants to play he's going to play three at the back that looks to be the thing he's going to do and and so that means there are opportunities especially behind those fullbacks I mean played Alonso and and Reese James uh, against Southampton that might not be I mean I presume Ben Chilwell if fit will come back in uh, but yeah that's how he seems to want to plug the weaknesses Chelsea have in central defence um, and so there are opportunities there in the system and the way United are likely to play against Chelsea, for sure. Um, and then uh, the question is whether they can find the right kind of blend 
up front caused United real problems. I mean, they don't even need, really need to find the right kind of blend caused United real problems in defence. We do that to ourselves. <laughs> just Yeah, they just have to sort of want to try a little bit. Um, the sure flank redemption is definitely going to help with uh, us being able to exploit the gaps. Because I think this is one of the things when we played teams with the back three earlier in the season, it didn't feel particularly like, oh great, United will get players in behind because this weren't providing any quality from the flanks, but that's changed completely now. In fact, from both flanks, the quality uh, has improved considerably, but especially on that left-hand side. So, you know, Shaw and Rashford doubling up on their wing-back and pulling their back three out of position. Bruno storming in on a third-man run. Sounds pretty good to me. That feels like goals could come from that. In fact, I'm going to predict a 1-0 win to United from a, a Rashford or Shaw assist for Bruno Fernandes. There you go. Yeah, Rashford falling over... Rudiger's leg for the assist, yeah? <laughs> Possibly so, yeah. Uh, oh, was that a pen today? Like, really, was it even a pen? I don't, I don't know yeah, if that was probably. even a pen. Caught his toe, didn't he? His little pinky. All right. It hurts when you get stood on on your pinky. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But Rashford took the... To, took Paul Pogba's instruction to Luke Shaw from earlier in the season. Shaw said Pogba was a leader in the dressing room. Clearly, that influence is, uh, is bearing fruit, as uh, Rashford did. Absolutely the morally correct thing, as he <laughs> always does. That's right. Uh, and made, made sure the referee knew. Uh, it's what you got to do. Um, anyway, that's, I guess that's it. Uh, we have the joys of uh, Thursday night. What, what time does this one kick off at? Is it uh, 8 o'clock? 8 Civilized. o'clock. Civilized. And do you know, do you know what? Do you know what? I, I am no fan of the Europa League, so you won't hear me coming around here on this old, this fine old institution of a podcast and praising the Europa League. But in the defence of the Europa League, there's a bunch of Champions League games that kicked off at 6pm this season as well. So it's just a European competition thing. Europa League kickoff time, real problems is when it's four in the afternoon. And, you know, that's, that has happened fairly frequently. Yes, when we pulled... Dinamo Kiev out of the hat for the next round. So then, yeah, it will do. Exactly. Anyway, so we've got that yeah. to look forward to. Um, I'd love to see a bit more of uh, Ahmad Diallo. I think, um, why not, you know? Sure, yeah. It looks an exciting prospect. And then Chelsea, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm struggling to see much happening in this Chelsea game. I do think they'll try and cancel each other out. So I, I may go for a nil-nil in this one. Fair. I think that's. I, I think that sort of suits United as well, fairly well. Depending on what what other results happen, um, United won't be super mad about getting a nil nil draw against Chelsea away from home. Uh, we'll be back to cover that. I don't think we're going to do a show after uh, Sociedad because it really isn't a meaningful enough gap in time to get a show out for people to listen to. Um, and also, I don't want to. So there's that. Um, <laughs> which, which I think is about ninety nine point nine percent of the reason. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, fair enough. Ma- yeah, uh, no one really so wants us to be in the Europa League. The the only point of the Europa League is some interesting away days, and uh, San Sebastian would have been a fantastic yeah, exactly. one. It's an absolutely beautiful city, but the game didn't happen in San Sebastian, and there weren't any fans there, uh, and there won't be at Old Trafford on Thursday yeah. either, uh, nor at Chelsea. But you know, hey. Do they really count as fans anyway? Chelsea fans with their little plastic flags and their one song. Football fans <laughs> are so dumb. Like, oh, he, your club's like this. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Should, should we get on to the oh, Becker's anyway. content? Uh, Everyone stay tuned if you're a Becker and yeah, we'll be let's bashing do it. Jose Mourinho because... Um, because we can. All right, um, everyone else, we'll see you next week. Bye.